Hi, this is Jonathan from Lewis Jewelers. If you're in the market for a diamond, we can make the experience easy and stress-free. Not to mention we can save you time and money. As a general manager, one of my roles is to hand-select every diamond that comes into our store. Don't shop alone. Come see me or one of my trusted advisors and find the perfect diamond today. Where Ann Arbor gets engaged, Lewis Jewelers. Welcome on into the Wolverine.com podcast. Clayton Safey here with Anthony Broom from the Wolverine.com, of course. We're presented by Manscaped, our great sponsors. Use promo code 20GoBlue at Manscaped.com. Gets you 20% off and free shipping. Uh, we're going to talk a little basketball to start with Musa Diabate and Caleb Houston, NBA Draft Combine Week. Uh, and then we'll get to football as well, some interesting stuff. Uh, coming out of Vegas with over-under win totals for Big Ten teams, including Michigan, and then uh, five early game spreads for Michigan, uh, favored in four out of five. So we'll get into those a little bit and other uh, football storylines, but we'll start on the basketball side of things where um, let's start with the guy who's actually participating in the combine, who got an invite (laughs) and is participating, uh, Musa Diabate, and then we can get to Caleb Houston and his interesting situation as well. Musa, we kind of expected this, and we were just talking before we started recording, that this is no shock, but tested really well on the first day of the combine. He didn't do any scrimmage work yesterday. I don't know if that if he's not going to do any at all. Um, but looking at some of the numbers here, he was with the centers group, which really helps him there because uh, he's athletic, and I think he would be a five in the NBA, so it's completely fair. But his 36.5-inch max vertical leap was three inches higher than the second-best center. Uh, he was 0.2 ticks faster than the second place in the shuttle run with a 2.9. Uh, and he had an 11.16 second mark in the lane agility drill. Uh, he was also second in the three-quarter court sprint at 3.26 seconds. Uh, and his standing vertical leap was 29 inches. That was also second among the centers. Um, and, yeah, height without shoes, 6'9 and a quarter. Sounds about right for listed at 6'11 because he's... 6'10 and a quarter with shoes on, uh, wingspan 7'2 and a half. So Musa Diabate, if all he's going to do is kind of do testing, and you know, I, again, I don't know for sure. Uh, it has not come out yet exactly what he's going to do this week with two more days left. But if all he's going to do, I mean, that's a pretty good, uh, you know, he, he did pretty well with what he did. I'll put it this way, and I need to choose my words carefully here. If I'm advising him, I'm not going through combine stuff or the the scrimmage stuff. Like that's teams. There you go. I'm I'm an athletic freak, and and you can work with me from there. Um, I'm not surprised by any of this. I think that Musa, as we've talked about a lot, is right now he is a phenomenal athlete, but he is not a well-rounded basketball player. And you know, someone. There's going to be a team, and there likely already are teams, that see those numbers and watch what he does just physically and instinctually on film and be like, we can work with that. I mean, we'll, we'll mold him into whatever we need him to be. Now, would you like that development to come at Michigan? I think, honestly, Clayton, I think that ship has sailed. I think Moose is in. I think Moose is probably going to stay in. I'd be stunned if he didn't at this point, uh, barring some last-minute change of heart. He did, I think, pretty much what we expected him to do, which was light up that combine, especially at his position. I mean, he is a he is a physical freak. Uh, you know, it's it's funny. Freak used to be like an insult. Now, if someone calls you a freak, you're you know at the peak, you're the top of your your profession. So, I'm not surprised by any of this. I think that 
that Musa is is going to stay in the draft. I think that the testing numbers, based on what my eyeballs saw this year, make sense. And we'll see if someone can develop him now. But I, I would expect him to stay in the draft. Uh, I, I would have felt that way before the combine. We knew he was going to light up the combine. So I think that's where it stands right now. Yeah, it's funny. We're talking about how impressive in other people are as well. Uh, he has been at the combine so far, uh, and he hasn't done any basketball. <laughs> um, but that's how important. it is. Yeah, and and that's the thing though. He's he's semi new to the game, right? You know, he didn't start playing it until high school. He came over to the U.S. Uh, he's bounced around. I think what three, four high schools, then one year at Michigan, and this is potentially the next step for him. Of course, he could end up coming back and. I think this week is big, like to make any conclusions before this week would be, uh, you know, 100% conclusions before this week would be a little short sighted because things do change. There's gonna, there's other prospects that are going to be going through every drill and that are going to impress. Um, so I think this is a big week that once we come out of it, uh, you know, we'll be able to know a little bit more about where everybody else stands, where Musa fits into that. But I agree. I think he's most likely gonna go and I said when he declared that I thought he was probably gonna go and I thought a team would draft him at some point in the second round I think he has enough tools for a team to be like hey let's let's get this maybe in our G League system for at least a year try to figure out what he can do he can develop there I agree that developing at the college level is more ideal for a guy but um, you know a lot of guys are taking this path and a lot of guys are doing the G League thing before college so uh, you know Musa being in college one year is what it is um, and we're starting to see him move up a little bit on these mock drafts. Uh, he was number 44 in one of them uh, that I saw yesterday. And then also Caleb Houston, who was not appearing, you know, and, and Musa was appearing a little bit more towards that top 60 on some of the big boards. Caleb Houston was not. Caleb Houston is probably not a top 60 prospect, but now you're seeing, and it's funny, these mock drafts are kind of a mix between Intel and what, you know, the analysts that put them together, what their eyes are telling them. And Caleb Houston is more of an Intel guy because, again, not in those mock drafts. He he declines the combine invite. A lot of speculation there, leading people to believe he might have a guarantee from a team. Then you see him pop up in ESPN's uh, mock draft, that number 30 overall, the last pick in the first round to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Sports Illustrated, number 34 also an Oklahoma City Thunder pick. That's early second round. And then the Athletic had him 36th to the Portland Trailblazers. So uh, I think there's something there with Oklahoma City having four picks. Uh, the number two pick, I believe, 14, 30, and 34. So when you have that amount of picks, you can take a risk maybe on one of these guys that you feel like has the potential. A guy who used to be regarded as a top 10 pick and could be. You know, Let's say he waited a year. Next year comes out. After you know coming back to Michigan, I think he could be right back in there. So maybe they're just kind of doing a little projection there. But uh, what do you think about that when it kind of comes out that that uh, Caleb Houston is now potentially a first rounder or early second? I'm surprised because usually it's one or the other. It's this guy lit up lit up you know the college basketball world, or this guy's an athletic freak, which is what Musa Diabate I think is is kind of going to lead to what looks like a rise out of him. Um, Caleb Houston, I didn't see at when it worked, when it looked great. I mean, it looked awesome, right? He, he had multiple games where I think he uh, scored more than 20 points where he went six for seven from the field. That was, it's called spade to spade. Those were outlier games. And I think physically 
I, I didn't see a guy that looked ready for pro basketball who forget pro basketball. I didn't look ready for college basketball. Um, you know, a lot of the things they touted coming out of high school was, you know, IQ and, and, you know, defensive prowess. And I didn't see a ton of that either. So maybe some of it's projection, maybe some of it's going, you know, if you're Oklahoma city and you have the picks to burn, you're saying, Hey, you know, this guy, technically we thought if things broke, right, he might be a top 10 pick. We can get him at 30 now, or we can get him at 34. Now we can stash him in our G league or stash him in our system, uh, stash him on the end of the bench, get him in our weight and conditioning program. And maybe we'll see what happens there. Uh, Caleb Houston. I, I don't, I like the, I like the kid and I like the player, but I can't forget what my eyeballs tell me in that. I just don't see it with him right now. And some of it makes me wonder if, um, like Jonathan Javoni from ESPN, who's kind of the guy who's been the point man with breaking his commitment, breaking his, it seems like he's kind of been the guy that's had the tidbits about Houston since he was a high schooler. Part of me wonders if, again, I have to choose my words carefully here. Part of me wonders if there's some, there's an aspect of speaking this into existence um, from, from the Houston camp or from, you know, NBA circles. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think at the end of the day, based on potential, if he stays in, he probably gets drafted. But when I see first round promise, I mean, this isn't like Jordan Poole. Like, I think we kind of understood it. He was inconsistent, but you understood it. Um, DJ Wilson, same deal. I think when he had a, I think he was one of the other guys that had a promise. Um, you know, you could see it athletically what he might be. Caleb Houston right now, to me, it's just projection. And it's, you know, well, he was a five-star recruit, should have been in high school last year. To me, that's kind of the biggest thing he has going for him right now. And maybe that's all it takes. And if it, it good for him if it works out that way. But I just don't see it right now. I see it down the road. I, I feel like I saw enough of him last season. I mean, 17 double-digit scoring games. You know, there were those games where he went completely quiet uh, as mm-hmm. well. But the good was, I think – you know, not good enough for the NBA, but good enough to, if he continues to develop, get there. Right. Like I think he will play and contribute in the NBA for at least a few years. Um, I don't think that's going to be right away if he gets picked. But again, like if he is getting a promise or whatever, then it might be time to to take that shot. You probably are in the G League for a year. You go through that. I I really still don't understand it. I I would think for him, maybe even more than Musa. Uh, especially because Hunter Dickinson's in the front court there. The best place to develop is probably Michigan. And, you know, being the guy and having a bigger role next season on your Michigan team. I mean, I've said this stat before, but um, Caleb Houston came in wanting to, you know, kind of be a Franz Wagner type of player, having that role. Franz Wagner was used in a lot of ball screen type of stuff, a lot of that uh, on the ball. Caleb Houston... 6% of Michigan's ball screens were run by Caleb Houston last year. That is less than half of Nick Stauskas in 2013 as a freshman when he played with Trey Burke and Tim Hardaway Jr. You know, they didn't use him in that role. They were not comfortable using him in that role. He didn't excel in that role when he was used there. He was more relegated to kind of a spot-up shooting role. He was able to heat up at times. I did like his stroke despite it being inconsistent. I thought, you know, that's going to work. Like, that's going to go in. Uh, and oh, yeah. you see guys improve their shooting numbers. Franz Wagner shot better from three, I believe, this year in the NBA than he did in college last season. So you see that happen making the jump. I know the the arc is farther out, but you actually see that probably more often than not 
the shooting numbers improve. So, um, but yeah, I, I don't totally understand it because I think you could come back another year, even if you do have a first round guarantee, uh, and then become a lottery pick the next season. But at, at a certain point when the iron is, uh, you know, relatively hot, sometimes you want to strike. And when you have plans coming into a season to only be a place a year, sometimes it's hard to change course. Um, mm-hmm. And the fact that Caleb Houston is not speaking throughout this entire process makes it all the more, you know, that's why we're sitting here guessing what could potentially be going on. Of course, he's not going to say he has a guarantee, but uh, he hasn't spoken once about, you know, even declaring for the draft or if he's left the door open. I know he uh, he is with the agent. I think it's NCAA certified. Well, it is NCAA certified, um, but we haven't heard about, you know, him coming back. Musa Diabate, you know, released that statement at least and, and said that he's leaving the door open. He's going to explore the, the, the whole process. But it, it's very, very interesting. Anything else on, on the whole Caleb Houston situation? Hi, this is Jonathan from Lewis Jewelers. If you're in the market for a diamond, we can make the experience easy and stress-free. Not to mention we can save you time and money. As a general manager, one of my roles is to hand-select every diamond that comes into our store. Don't shop alone. Come see me or one of my trusted advisors and find the perfect diamond today. Where Ann Arbor gets engaged, Lewis Jewelers. Well, let me say this, is that because I think, like, all of this being said, I think if for Houston, for really it applies to both guys, but more towards Houston, like if he decides to stay in the draft, great, go, go have like good for you. And I hope that he has a, he, I hope that it works out for him. Cause again, I like the kid and I like the, the player and I like what he can be. Um, I think that when you look at like freakouts on the message board or on social media or what have you, it comes from a place of when people say, oh, well, He's not ready. What a joke. Uh, you know, he he's he stunk this year. Most of that comes from a place of wanting the guy that you think has a chance to be a talented player to be on your basketball team still. I get that. Um, but not everyone that declares for the draft, and I feel like we have to say this every year. We've said it with when guys like Jordan Poole declared and, uh, you know, guys. Even Franz. Le- Franz. Even Franz. People think that if you don't project to being a – perennial NBA all-star that you aren't ready for the NBA there there is value in what Caleb Houston can bring to the table I think that I think you talked about I mean his shooting stroke to me it looks good and and it looks clean and it's actually kind of stunning he didn't shoot better uh, because I thought he got a lot of good looks last year Um, but you look like like there are also teams that have roles or plan a development plans in place like uh, one of the teams I wrote about it that could be a fit Look at a team like the Dallas Mavericks. Like you have Luka Doncic, you don't need someone to come in and be an All Star. You need Luka to drive the paint and kick it out to someone in the corner uh, to hit a three. Um, and I am coming off watching the, the Mavericks go. I think they shot like twenty two percent from three point land uh, last night in the Western Conference Finals. They got popped by the Warriors, but there are like I could see Caleb Houston being that guy, or if you want to keep it local, being that type of guy off the bench for someone like Cade Cunningham. Um, You know, you don't necessarily have to be, you know, this perennial NBA all-star NBA 75 caliber player. Uh, You could, you could just be a role player that, I mean, look at, look at what Duncan has, has carved himself into and, and, you know, 
that's just like a baseline, I think, for what Houston could be. That could be a guy that makes 16, 17, 18 million dollars a year just because he hits threes and does nothing else. So I hope it works out. I, I didn't see it on film this year. I saw what he could be. Uh, I would love to see that a guy like that come back to Michigan and kind of take that Jaden Ivy type of leap uh, from a freshman to sophomore year, but it I don't think that's going to happen. And so it, it turns to who's the next guy now, and we'll get to that at a later date. But I, I think it's pretty clear where this is trending right now. Definitely, and we'll see how it shakes out again after the combine. Uh, a lot goes down in, in a setting like that when basically the whole league is in one city. Almost all the prospects, uh, you know, at least the top guys are in one city and they're all together and you get to see those guys live and get evaluations and all of that. So uh, we'll keep an eye on it um, for sure. Let's move to the football side of things. Uh, and before we do, let's talk about Manscaped. You asked for it and they listened. Our friends at Manscaped just brought back the ultra smooth package. I believe it was Anthony who was the one that requested that and it is back. It's time to stop, drop and order this premium shaving kit. Everyone knows by now that the Lawnmower 4.0 is the best electric shave for your balls. But if you're looking for a closer save to, uh, shave to go bare down there, then the Ultra Smooth Package is the perfect set. It's time to shave that bush of yours and get to right to the roots with a discount just for you. Get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with the promo code 20GOBLUE. That's 20-G-O-B-L-U-E at manscaped.com. Again, uh, just a great product, Anthony, and uh, one that we're glad to be partnered with. We are glad to be partnered with them. And like I said, still waiting on my the new batch to come in. Oh, still that's right. Using, still using the shampoo and conditioner. Uh, there's not as much to shampoo and condition up here, but uh, it smells good. Uh, the people the people compliment us all the time on how we smell. Uh, it's not weird. It's just the quality of the product that we have. So all the stuff they send us again, super high quality. Um, I have nothing, nothing bad to say other than uh, I'm happy that you're the one that keeps having to do the reads. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> um, yeah. So use manscape 20 go blues, the promo code there, 20% off and free shipping. Uh, I'm pulling this up here. The big 10 over under win totals. Um, let's start with those. And then there was also game lines, um, that were released for five Michigan games, the five biggest games on the schedule. Um, Michigan sitting at nine and a half and it doesn't totally shock me. Um, I would put it maybe more at 10 and a half. So I guess that means I would just bet the over. Um, but I can run through these real quick and these are in alphabetical order. So, uh, not necessarily top to bottom in terms of how, you know, wins, but, Illinois at four and a half, Indiana at four and a half, Iowa at seven and a half might be one to watch there as well. Coming off of winning the big 10 West Maryland at five and a half. Again, Michigan at nine and a half, Michigan state, seven and a half, Minnesota at six and a half, Nebraska at seven and a half. Seems a little high, but I think they're, they're optimistic about what they can maybe finally put together under Scott Frost Northwestern at four and a half. Ohio State at 10.5, Penn State 8.5, Purdue, uh, there is not one listed at this time, Rutgers 4.5, and Wisconsin 8.5. So that puts Wisconsin as the Big Ten West favorite in terms of, I guess that's total wins, including non-conference, but uh, that's all regular season, by the way. So I guess I would take the over on Michigan. 
Iowa, I kind of like them as well. They're bringing back quite a bit. I know they lose some key pieces, but you feel like that Iowa team is going to be strong again with what they do return. Um, Wisconsin, I think, is going to have a, a pretty nice bounce back year after a little bit of a down season. So it'll be interesting to see how the West plays out. Minnesota, Nebraska, don't sleep on them either. Penn State expected to bounce back a little bit. Michigan State expected to slide a little bit in the Big Ten East as well after finishing third last season. Uh, any uh, takes on on what you uh, what you took away from those? Yeah, I actually wrote about these last night, and I think the best bet on this board right now, to me, and again, totally biased. I get it. We're in the trenches with this team, but I think Michigan over nine and a half. You look at that schedule, I mean, they don't play anyone in the non-conference, so that's three wins right there. And then you're asking them to go seven and two in the Big Ten. I mean, is they have road they have road games at Iowa and Ohio State. I don't think it's a hot take to say those could both be losses, but from there it comes down to are you better than Michigan State? I think they are. Are you better than Penn State? I think they are. Who else on that schedule? I mean, unless you want to buy the hype that Nebraska is going to be improved. I just feel like the the over, um, you know, I could see a scenario where Michigan goes 10 and two and people are disappointed by that. But me, I mean, I think the over as we, you know, barring injury and as we, what we know about this team today, I think the over for Michigan is, is a good one. I also thought that the over seven and a half for Iowa was one to keep an eye on too. Um, I'm not buying the Penn state hype. I mean, they're 11 and 11 over the last two seasons with James Franklin, uh, they play games, uh, I believe, they play they at Purdue to start the year. Sorry, I'm reading it in real time. At Purdue, um, and they play at Auburn in the first three weeks. I mean, those could be two losses right there for them. Um, yeah, if it's eight and a half for Penn State, I'm smashing the under on that. Um, I think the team that could surprise out of all of that, I, Northwestern at four and a half feels like a steal. They specialize in good year, bad year, good year, bad year, good year. Uh, yeah, I was going to say that. I'm looking at their record right now over the years. So they won the Big Ten West in, was it 2018? Went 3-9 and nine in 2019. Won the Big Ten West at 7-2 and two in 2020. And then went 3-9 and nine last season. There was a stat, it might have been Dave Revson from the Big Ten Network. He shared about them last season and how they're like one of the first teams to kind of have a something like that where you win your division, miss a bowl, win your division, miss a bowl. I mean, to have – they've won the West two out of the last four years. They've also missed bowl games two out of the last four years. So would it even be a surprise if Northwestern gets good again? I actually think it would uh, because, obviously, it doesn't work like this, just like it didn't work with Michigan basketball, win-loss, win-loss. They end up winning two in a row. Um, right. But, yeah, I, I think they – I guess, yeah – if they do make a bowl game, let's say they win six or more games, does it actually surprise you? You'd be like, oh, that, that kind of makes sense. You know? no, see, I, I just need them to win five because of right. that overhead. <laughs> like, That's they, why you wouldn't be disappointed either if Michigan went 10-2 and two, because you'd have that over. <laughs> right. So non-conference games, I mean, they played Northwestern, they played Duke, they played Southern Illinois, they played Miami of Ohio. Those could all, that could be three wins. And then because they play, this is wacky, because they play in week zero against Nebraska and Ireland, I could totally see Nebraska tripping up in week zero, just like they did last year. You could have your four wins before, uh, uh, before October 1st. I mean, that's to me, that's the biggest, uh, to me, even if Northwestern only goes five and seven, I mean, God, that, that's at some point that trend of good, bad is going to stop. But 
I just feel like they're too competently coached to uh, to be that bad two years in a row. So it's fair. So yeah, no, those are those are some interesting ones. I'm actually curious of what Purdue's is going to be when more of those come out. It looks like more and more sports books are kind of releasing those, but always uh, always kind of fun to just see where people are at. And again, what was Michigan last year? Six and a half, seven and a half. So it doesn't totally matter, um, as we've seen. Two percent chance to win the Big Ten. I think 0.7% chance to make the playoff, and there we were. So um, obviously have to add that caveat in. Let's talk about some of these early game lines as well. Um, five of them for Michigan. The five biggest games on the schedule, Michigan at Iowa, Wolverines actually a four-point favorite at a place uh, that they have not won since 2005. And then Penn State at Michigan, October 15th. Michigan's a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Michigan, four and three against Penn State under Jim Harbaugh. Michigan, eight-and-a-half-point favorite over Michigan State on October 29th at home. Uh, feels about right. People were saying maybe a little high there, but, um, you know, they've lost the last two. But get them back at home, I think it'll be, uh, it'll be you know, should Michigan should have the edge there. Nebraska at Michigan, 11.5-point favorites for Michigan. And uh, Harbaugh 2-0 against Scott Frost, of course. And then Ohio State, the one that actually surprised me, and I know, Anthony, you tweeted about this too, 14.5-point underdogs, Michigan at Ohio State. In Columbus, I know, but still, it feels like you could kind of get that right now and you would feel decent about it being at least lower, like at least having better value than it would on that week. But tons of games before that one but uh your thoughts on some of these yeah i'd be again using the word smashing here i would be smashing the uh michigan to cover that ohio state number i mean that's you take away the home field advantage that's baked into that they're saying that this ohio state team which i don't think honestly i don't think is as good as last year's team was i mean they will be superb offensively but you know, I still have questions on defense and what they have in the trenches. You're telling me that that team is 11 and a half points better on a neutral field than Michigan. I don't buy that right now. Um, if you want to argue they're better, that's fine, but that's a big number. Uh, the Michigan State number, I mean, no matter what that number is, I'm because of the way that rivalry is gone, I feel comfortable in saying whatever the number is, Michigan State will probably find a way to cover it, but that's a game you have to win this year, and I think Michigan will win it this year. Um, other than that, everything else seems pretty tailor-made. It's pretty interesting to me that of all, like they released these early game lines um, that they threw the Nebraska game in there. Like that's a marquee matchup that's coming. Um, I mean, it kind yeah. of is. Yeah, sort of, sort of. I mean, it was especially last year, despite them going three and nine, I was going through some of their, I think for the article that I wrote on that, um, all nine losses, single digits, I think eight of them being one possession games. They were close, yeah. and that Michigan game was one of those games. I mean, you're right. They you're feel right. like they should have won. You're right. So. I'm just a hater. That's all. That's all it is. Um, <laughs> I'll believe it when I see it with them for sure. Yeah, I mean, they were so – that team was better. Than, that That was the true case of a team being better than its record was last year. I mean, that Nebraska yeah. team was just so close, but they would just shoot themselves in the foot so often. So if they can even just correct that – a few more times talking about over unders. I mean, I, I think seven and a half is still probably a little optimistic for them, but we'll see. Um, they kind of lit the fire under Scott Frost, like they, like Michigan did with Harbaugh last year. So we'll see what that does for him. But yeah, I, I like seeing the, you know, you know what the biggest takeaway is because I can't break any of this down today to a certain extent. 
like we know Michigan. I don't know what's on these other teams rosters. I haven't done the deep dive on them yet. The, the biggest takeaway to me is that game lines are being released, which means football is closer. And I've been really jonesing for that lately. It might be because the baseball team I watch is bad. It might be because the weather has been better. Um, I don't know what it is, but I am, I'm getting ready and we're diving into this football preview and it's just, you know, I'm going to have to channel all this energy into that for now, but it's coming and, and I'm excited for it. Same here. Looking at uh Nebraska schedule. They do play Oklahoma again, this time at home uh, and their crossover games being at Michigan, which of course is one of the tougher ones you can draw and uh, Indiana at home, which I think is one of the easier ones you could draw. So it's a decent schedule there. They do have to uh, play Wisconsin at home. They go at Iowa uh those two games the last two ones of the season so we'll see on nebraska but i think that michigan nebraska game will at least be interesting from a storyline standpoint and they're playing for a trophy this year the bussin with the boys trophy uh, oh from the taylor lewan and will compton podcast over there so uh both coaches agreed to it so we'll see uh we'll see what that looks like but i'm i'm with you 100 days until week zero 107 days until Michigan kicks off against Colorado State, and uh, we'll be here covering it throughout the summer and uh, maybe playing a little golf here and there too. Uh, but as Anthony mentioned, the Wolverine Michigan Football Preview Magazine, head to the WolverineOnDemand.com to make sure your copy is going to be in the mail uh, once that comes out. We're printing June 21, so make sure to get that. You'll probably get it by 4th of July, and it'll uh, it'll be – It'll be uh, definitely a must-read for sure. Always was for me, even before being on uh, on the staff here. So make sure to check that out. Thank you to our sponsors, Manscaped. Remember, the promo code there is 20GOBLUE for 20% off and free shipping. And uh, we'll see everyone next time.